Hello, and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy. My guest today is Kelly Glover. She is the founder of the Talent Squad podcast agency. And I am so excited to dive into this conversation for multiple reasons. One, because podcasting is something that's near and dear to my heart. But two, I absolutely love Kelly's energy. And that's what I want to kick off this episode with is really digging in to how she stays so enthusiastic. So Kelly, welcome, welcome. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And yes, I have lots of energy. I know I don't know where it comes from, but it's just there all the time. Quite annoyingly to my family, as soon as I wake up in the morning, it's hello. They're not into that. Oh man, I love it. I think it's a blessing. It's awesome. And so my first question out of the gate, but because it's like an inborn trait for you, it might be difficult to answer, but for someone that maybe needs to cultivate and generate their own enthusiasm and they want to, but they're not quite there yet. They're a little bit more of a baseline or they're not seeing the success that they want to in their business right now. What kind of tips do you have for them to jazz it up and pump up their energy? I think that, you know what trick I've learned, honestly, and this was probably, oh gosh, probably at least 10 years ago, I would say do some improv classes. And I did some, and let me tell you, I died on stage. It was the worst. I basically got booed off stage. It was terrible. But, and I know this sounds like the worst story ever, it's the skills that you get. So even though I know that I'm bad on stage, I will never get back on stage again. Doing the actual classes was the best thing I ever did. You don't realize how you block things all the time and say no and just put up a brick wall. So when you do improv classes, it teaches to say like one of the big things is yes and. So it's going with the idea and then naming things and getting your brain moving and I think anybody can benefit from doing an improv class, regardless of what you do. It Mm. just helps you with your life. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a great tip. I have not heard it before. And I think a lot of my listeners are introverts. And so they may hear that and go, oh my gosh, not me. But I think it's really cool because when you start saying yes to yourself and gently pushing yourself out of the comfort zone, that's where the magic lies. So awesome, awesome tip. Yeah. And you don't have to be good on stage. I was terrible on, I am terrible on stage, terrible, but the benefit is in the class. So if you are an introvert and are worried about it, just know that you can do it in a room full of everybody else, just walking around where no one will ever see you with 10 people. And it's so beneficial. I keep doing beginners classes all the time, just for getting your mind clicking and moving faster. Ooh, I like it. So I know that you have 18 years experience in media. Talk to us a little bit about your origin story. What got you attracted to this industry? I grew up in the 90s. I was loving Ricky Lake, Oprah, Donahue, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, loved all the talk shows and always wanted to be a talk show host. So that led to me getting into media entertainment and eventually as a radio host. I know you're surprised thinking, wow, how can she talk (laughs) nonstop for six hours a day? 
done. <laughs> Easy, <laughs> then, which, check. Which, yes, done, which led to podcasting. So I ended up going to college in America. I went to college, even though you might recognize the accent, I'm Australian. I went to college in Ohio, actually, and did my internships in Hollywood. So I did an internship in for Miramax, ended up being an entertainment reporter, doing all the red carpet interviews with all the celebrities and sort of went from there. So I worked at a talent agency, ended up casting some reality TV shows. So I've done a range of things across the industry and landed in podcasting. That is so cool. I love that. I love that trajectory. You're a natural for sure. I mean, that's like anybody listening is going to be able to pick up on that. Talk to me a little bit about how you book podcast tours for entrepreneurs now. Yeah. So really that's just taking one string out of the bow. So I was a podcast producer for the world's biggest women's network called Mamma Mia. And in my radio producing as well, being on air, you produce your own shows. And I discovered that I was really good at picking out talent and booking guests. And I just thought that that was the easiest thing ever, but I didn't realize it was a skill that you could do for one job. So I ended up being a podcast booker for an agency and started my own agency. So what we do now is people will come to us. So it's a bit like hiring a PR agency, but we just do podcasts only. That's all we focus on. So someone might say, I'd like to get on a podcast and we'll go through your messaging, your key talking points, your call to action, your positioning, make sure you're audited across all your media. You've got your online press kit. You've got your one sheet. We pitch you out once everything's in place, get you booked on shows, and then you do the interview. Not everyone can go on Good Morning America. And even if you do, it's a small segment and it's a broad audience. But if you're an accountant and you want to speak to dentists, then it's probably actually better for you to go on a dental podcast with a thousand dentists listening to it than Good Morning America, because how many people are looking for accounting advice that are dentists that happen to be watching that show on a Tuesday morning at 7.30? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. In fact, that totally dovetails in right now in my Facebook group, we're breaking apart Seth Godin's This Is Marketing, and it completely dovetails into the micro niching or the micro markets where we're not trying to serve the general audience. So I love that. And I think too that your service is so valuable because there are like 700,000 podcasts out there. So it can be very daunting to someone that's like, okay, well, this sounds great and I want to get into this, but how do I crack into this? It's such a needed thing. One thing I've noticed is I've had like a massive increase in pitches that I get for people wanting to be on my show. And I see that also too, that the trends are just increasing towards podcasting. Why do you think that increased interest is coming about as the new and the best shiny thing moving into the new decade? Yeah. So I've been in podcasting. The first podcast I did was in 2007 and that's when I was on radio and it was minus the music and minus the adverts basically. So it was a radio show without the music and ads. And that's more than a decade ago now. But I think for most people, they're just really coming to know podcasts in the last two years or so. So it's an awareness and it's now gone into the mainstream. More than 51% of Americans know what a podcast is, you know, have listened to a podcast and more than 70% know what one is. So I think it's just in the tipping point of general awareness and people know what it is and they know that it's accessible for most people. Tell me about your experience 
with people pitching you? What have you seen? What do you like? What do you not like? How frequently do you get pitched? What are all the things? Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly enough, for the first year, I really didn't get pitched at all. And so what I've noticed is moving into year two, I'm seeing an increase and probably much more so in the last three months where I can get a pitch a day, which feels like a lot. You know, it feels like a lot coming from nothing. And so a lot of it is coming from PR agencies. So it's a little bit more canned. I actually really like when the person themselves pitch me and they really say something that they can relate to my podcast, that they've listened to an episode. They usually pull out something that they really loved from the episode. So I really feel like it's genuine. And then they tell me that there's a couple talking points that they feel would be really beneficial to my listeners. So they're very value driven. Those are some of the things that catch my eye right away. But I think the biggest thing, and actually that's one of the reasons why I was very attracted to like your whole brand, it's enthusiasm because you can teach a template. But what you can't teach is enthusiasm. And even from your initial interaction with me, it's like one of your answers was, I'm all in. And it's like so much more exciting and enticing than just a yes or no answer. It really shows me about your personality. And I love that. And when I scoped through your social and your website, one of the things that I loved is that you say you're professionally relentless which I loved that. And don't be average, be awesome. And I was like, yeah, this is a chick that I could see as being one of my friends. And I know that she's going to resonate with my audience. And that's what got me super excited. Yeah. But I don't think that's for everyone. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Some people would see don't be average, be awesome and be like, oh, yawn, eye roll. No, thanks. (laughs) Next. But for other people, they're like, oh my God, come to my house, sit on the couch. Let's watch Netflix. That's how you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something in there that you said that was really key was you get pitched once a day. Well, that's 365 pitches a year. If you do a weekly episode, that's competition. And Mm -hmm. I think people tend to think, oh, podcasts, they're easy. It's someone at home doing it. But really, it's more competitive than you think. So you really need to be prepped. And there's a few ways that people pitch podcasts. Like you said, they'll pitch themselves. They'll get someone from their team to pitch them they'll get a virtual assistant to pitch them or they'll get an agency to pitch them. So they're sort of the four ways that people do it. But regardless, you need to make sure that everything is ready before you pitch because you have one chance. And so when you get pitched, if it's not great, then it's a no. And then you've lost that chance because you've already put that pitch out there. So you really need to do those online audits and make sure you've got your messaging, your talking points, like we said earlier, that one sheet ready and your online press kit ready to go. Because you know how there's that saying, done is better than perfect? Yes. But that's not the same when it comes to pitching the media. It actually has to be ready because any host, like you said, you cross check and verify. You don't just say yes. The subject line, the email, the everything I've just said is the first, okay, let's go to step two. And step two is let's check this person out. And if you check that person, the website's a dog's breakfast and doesn't look good, your photos don't don't look good, the messaging on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram is different to the website and then it's going to be a no. So you need to have all that in place. And I'm not talking about hiring a professional person for thousands and thousands of millions of dollars to make this super whiz bang website, but it just needs to look good. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Business Thrive, a step-by-step business building online course. Thrive Business Thrive takes you from a concept to paying clients in just 16 weeks. If you're tired of doing it alone and trying to piece together your business by watching one YouTube tutorial after another and following multiple experts, it's time to plug into a tried and true plan. Thrive Business Thrive focuses on results, increasing your impact, and moreover, establishing the foundation needed for a thriving business. To learn more about Thrive Business Thrive, your blueprint to create a flourishing business, visit caseyrossi.com slash thrive. That's caseyrossi.com slash thrive. I have a question for you because as podcasts continue to gain popularity and there is competition that's coming on, I would love your professional opinion on repurposing content that you've already used in a different channel, say YouTube, and just then splinter that off and create a podcast out of it. What are your thoughts on that? You mean pulling audio from YouTube and putting it on a podcast or the concept? Yeah, I think that's fine. If it's your audio, you can do that. I wouldn't necessarily just pull it straight and put it on a podcast unless it's self-contained. But what you could do is do an intro and outro and segment segues and repackage it up into a podcast and maybe add in some interviews. So that way it's repurposing. It's not just pulling the same piece of audio. It's doing something a little bit different for the audience, but it depends what it is on in YouTube. If it's got a proper introduction, you don't want to feel like you're coming in halfway through after a commercial break. Yeah. You want to feel like you're coming because people listen to podcasts from beginning to end. It's a piece. People say, oh, I'm in the middle of a podcast thinking, meaning they consume the whole thing, but you don't say, oh, I'm in the middle of a blog post. I'm going back to it later. Yeah. I'm in the middle of the TV, <laughs> you know? So I think with a podcast, it really is a self-contained package. So depending on the content, if it's got a beginning, middle and an intro, outro, yes. If not, and it needs some contextualization, then I'd probably top and tail it. Yeah. It's so interesting because one example that I've seen this content splintering is Marie Forleo. I absolutely love and adore her. I've followed her for years. So I just want to preface my little bit of critique with that, but her and she's pod- got fabulous hair. I must yeah, interrupt and say fabulous that. Like, hair. It's like she's, a mane. <laughs> yeah, she's fabulous. I love her. I love her book. Like I said, I followed her for years. And I was really excited last week because I was like, oh, you know what? She's got a podcast. Let me go check it out. Immediately, I was like, oh, this is just repurposed Marie TV episodes from 2012, 2014, like throughout the years. And it immediately caused a disappointment in me to the point where I went and started looking at her reviews to see what other people are feeling. And I started reading through them and some of the comments, of course, she has a huge fan base and props to her for all that she does for female empowerment. But there was this sense and this commonality through the reviews of podcasting is very intimate. It's a different platform and you can't necessarily strip out audio from another platform with a different way of engaging and call it a podcast. And there were any other solo episodes. It's truly just a repurposing of Marie TV and content that is years and years old. So I was just wondering if you've come across that with other leaders and leaders that you've really depended on to be thought leaders in the industry, right? And I'm just wondering how podcasts may change because they are gaining popularity. Do you think we're going to lose some intimacy for people that just decide to splinter content? 
I think a way that that would have been probably you would have appreciated that is if she was like, hi guys, I did this back in X year and like just did a little intro because then she's speaking directly to you in your ear and there's the intimacy at the beginning. So almost like a little, she's hosting her own show and having little segments of other things in there. So that would be a very small thing that is acknowledging the repurposing of the content because it sounds like you feel a bit hoodwinked from from that like oh like you're disappointed but if she came on and said this is what i did back in whatever i'm repackaging it then you would have been like okay i'm in yep great totally and then came in and had a little comment along the way in podcasting it's called signposting you know in how the host breaks in and does a little comment in the middle of it and then they can be like well that was in 2012 but now in 2000 and i realized that podcasts are evergreen i get that but then that would make them a bit more updated so that's a way to repurpose content and without people feeling cheated and they feel like they're actually getting a bonus on old content and they're listening to, they're willing to listen to it because you're getting more value from it because it's updated with retrospect. Oh, I love it. That is a brilliant gem. I love the fact that you just immediately turned it around on a dime and made these great recommendations on how you can repurpose it. And it immediately brought two things to mind. One, my coach does that as well with her podcast. And because of those signposts, she'll say something like, I did this at a conference last year when I was in Canada. And she does these little things. And because she keeps me in her story, I'm like, oh, cool. She just wanted to keep us in the loop. And she wanted to share this because she was really proud of it. So those signposts are invaluable. And I know it's a different platform, but Gary V with his updated editions for his audiobooks will pop in and say these little clips. And it's so effective. I feel like they're literally right there with me having a cup of coffee on the couch. Yeah. So that's a way is to recognize that it's old content, but add updates to it. Otherwise it's just ripping old content. You're right. And then if it was 2012 and then that's a decade ago, well, imagine the insight you can comment on that and you can use hindsight and say, oh, I was wrong about that. Or this has happened since then, or I was right about that, or this has changed. And so you're looking forward to, okay, well, this is what's you're looking forward to it instead of feeling disappointed by it. And with regards to people using podcasts in different way, it's evolving all the time. And I think people will be using it. I think people think of podcasts as here's a podcast. I need lots of listeners and I need to make money from the listeners and the audience from how many people are listening. I don't think of podcasts that way. I think that sometimes it's the host talking to the guest and that's the relationship because you can get a client from a person that is the guest on the show, or you can be a guest and get it from the host on the show. You can repurpose the content. You can leverage that as your expertise and show that you're a thought leader in your area. So sometimes it doesn't matter if one person listens to it. If you can pull the content write a book, position yourself as a thought leader, have relationships with people. You don't need a million people to listen to you for that to be a success. Also internal podcasts for corporations, use them that way. You can use them for training purposes. If you think of it as a medium, instead of I need to do a podcast to get tons of listeners to earn money from commercials, then I think it is a game changer. I love that perspective. I think it gives a lot of permission for people that have wanted to dip their toe into the podcast pond, but have been afraid. I think that takes off all the pressure because it just opens up these possibilities instead of one more media channel to manage and try to excel at in the line of competition and fan craving. You know, when you really look at it with your perspective, it makes it so much easier and gentle to jump in. 
I have a question for you, and this is something that I've actually personally struggled with because in the beginning, I chose to just do interview style. And I did that because it was much easier to be a cheerleader than a thought leader in the beginning. Oh my God, there's a topic, there's a topic. You know I'm a producer, you know I'm an agent here. It's easier to be a cheerleader than a thought leader. That's a talking point. Totally. And so as I really started like cracking out of my shell a little bit more, a little bit more, and also got encouragement from my business coach, and she was like, you really need to be putting out solo episodes. I would love your thoughts on stepping into that new space, which is truly just stepping into your own power and using your own voice. But what would you tell somebody that's struggling about cracking into doing solo episodes? Okay. Three things. First of all, give a shout out to your business coach. Sounds like he or she is doing some great work. So tell us who that is. That is Lana Dingwall. She is doing great work. Three times is a charm. She's the third business coach that I've done in my business coaching career. And I've seen the needle move in more ways than one because of her. Okay. We should put that in the show notes because she sounds amazing. Second of all, there's something I'm going to recommend, which is a little bit of a cheat way to do your solo episodes. And that is if you're a little bit nervous about it, you can get somebody to interview you or do an interview style and then cut the other person out. So, and edit it in a different way because some people do feel a bit unusual about talking nonstop to themselves. And if that's not natural to you, you can do it that way. And then we can do signposting. You can do segments. You can cut them out. There's all these little tricks you can do and they don't have to be an hour, 30 minutes. If it's a solo episode, it's absolutely fine to do little snippet bite-sized ones in between other episodes. So there's just a few strategies that you can use for doing solo episodes without being overwhelmed. Podcasting, you can do what you want, how you want. There are no rules. You make it what you want to make it. And also practice in private before you go public. It, you're, not on, you're not staring down the bar with a green screen behind you on live TV talking to Good Morning America via satellite and you've got three minutes to nail it. You can just do it at home by yourself as long as you have a good mic set up and everything. So whatever, you're fine. You can do it. Yeah. That's such good advice. I have another question for you because I noticed that, and this is a little bit off the podcasting topic, but still I think it pulls into part of your brand, which one of the things that I noticed is there's a sense of ease taking a step towards you and your business. And what I mean by that is when I was browsing around your website, I noticed that you had an opt-in, which all good marketers do, but I noticed that you didn't have like a double opt-in or you didn't make me go to my inbox to receive my little goodie. That made me feel really awesome. And the other thing that I noticed is to join your Facebook group, you didn't have any preliminary questions, which again, I thought this is really easy to take a step towards Kelly, even though experts will tell you, do it this way, this way, and this way in order to optimize it. But there was this feeling of this is cool. I get to be closer to you and your content without having to feel like I'm jumping through hoops. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? I don't like doing it, so I don't make anybody else do it. And if you want the thing, like I have an email account where I sign up to stuff because so much junk comes in. Yeah, it's like you said, I just want to make it easy. And if you want the thing and you like me, you're welcome. If not, completely fine. Like we all have enough sign up newsletters that we just delete <laughs> because we can't be bothered even to going in to unsubscribe to them. So I just 
wanted it to be AC. I think that that's so awesome. It totally plays into what you just said. You can do your podcast however you want that's going to fit you and your life. And it's the same that goes for marketing. If you don't like it, don't put it in place because the quote unquote experts told you to do it. Do what you like because most of the time your dream client is going to resonate with exactly the things that you like and dislike. Yeah, sometimes you just want the thing. And sometimes it might take you two years to become a client or you may never not, but you'll still like the person and you know what, I heard about this and you'll tell somebody else and then they might become that person's client or get value from them. And you're talking about Marie Folio. Another person is Amy Porterfield. So I bought one of her courses, but I didn't just go in and buy that course straight away. I would have downloaded something. I would have gone back to her website multiple times. It might've taken me a year to do that. And one day I was like, okay, I'm ready. I know, you know, the whole no like and trust. And I went in and I bought the $1,200 course and that's fine. I don't want someone to feel forced or tricked into something. No, thanks. Pass. Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, if I wouldn't like it, I'm not going to, to get what an email address, who cares? No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Oh, this has been so juicy. Where can people learn more about you? Kelly Glover, the talent squad.com. And if you're a guest on podcasts, that's something I recommend as well is just give one simple call to action. People are driving, they're doing all kinds of things. And I wouldn't say go to the website and I've also got an Instagram and I've also got this and I've also got this. Just give one thing. That's a little tip as well. I love that tip. What exciting things do you have on the docket for 2020? I have so many exciting things and a lot that I can't talk about. And I'll tell you off air, there's a little teaser, so I have to come back. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. uh, I'm excited for 2020. What about you? I'm very excited about it. I think that there is a powerful energy that's coming in, not only because it's a new year, but it's a new decade. And I think it's going to be the year of saying yes. And for me personally, the year of up-leveling, that's going to be my word for the year is up-level and Now that I have that new filter, I'm already starting to program my RAS, my reticular activating system to look for everything that is up level worthy. And it's funny because it's starting to spill over into even personal things as things do, right? So I was shopping the other day and I saw this gorgeous raccoon vase. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, it's the holidays. Should I really be buying this for myself? Oh, it's pretty expensive. And then I was like, you know what? This is the perfect entrance to up level and to tell myself I'm worth it and to just know that I'm going to step in before I'm ready and to continue to rise. So that's what's on the docket for me. And where is that vase? That is now sitting in my living room at home. It's one of the very first things that you see when you walk into my living room. I was going to say, you should put that somewhere where you can look at it every day. And that's a reminder. I feel like the vase is talking to you. It's a little up telling you, remember you need to up level. Absolutely. Well, you've been a delight. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, for sharing these really behind the scenes podcast tips and just for being you because it's a really exuberant vibe to be around. Thank you. Same to you. Let's Netflix. Thank you so much. All right. Let's Netflix. (laughs) Till next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.